Hi, my name is Brandon Krieger, and today's Daily Cyber, I'm going to be interviewing Carl Gabarath. He's a cybersecurity consultant, virtual CISO, CTO, and startup advisory board member. Carl provides cyber and AI trusted advisory services spanning envisioning, transform, protect, respond, and trust stages of the cybersecurity lifecycle roadmap. He leverages over 25 years of security and IT expertise and experience, successfully selling, building, delivering, and performing audits on commercial and in-house software product solutions in the public sector, Fortune 500, and startup environments. His cor corporate infrasec executive, co-founder, technical leadership roles at 10 Ottawa 1.0 startup includes uh, electric, Electronic Courthouse, Eccentris, uh, acquired by High Road uh, Capital Partners, Nuance, uh, and in Intercert, formerly FileTrack, and Gridon Software, acquired by uh, MicroFocus in 2019, specialized in enterprise uh, technology focus on Secure Track, Trace, Security Analytics, SOC, Dashboards, and Endpoint Agent Solutions. Carl spent five years with Canadian Bank Note uh, Corp., Whereas acting C, uh, CISO, uh, director of IT security, ha he oversaw corporate information security systems technology, product management development, and delivering a secure track and trace solution. Carl has a wealth of knowledge and experience. So we're going to be talking in depth of what's going on in the cybersecurity industry from a CISO level, from a top-down approach. Uh, as you can tell, I wanted to give you his bio just because he has a lot of knowledge, a lot of expertise to be able to pull from and learn from uh, in this interview. So please grab a coffee, grab a tea, and let's hack at it. I'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, USADO. USADO is a Canadian-based cybersecurity company that provides 24-7 cybersecurity support and compliance service that align their customers' tolerance for risk, their clients, suppliers, and government contractual mandates. Yosato's teams focus on using insights to drive business decisions. There's no need to leave strategies to chance when insights can be used to show what changes need to be made and how to make them. Yosato offers multiple services to help companies simplify IT, centralize cybersecurity management, and meet compliance standards. USADO can customize their service to work with your existing IT network and programs. For more information, contact USADO at info at uzado.com or visit their website at www.uzado.com. Hey, Carl, so how's your day going so far? So far, so good. How about you? It's been busy. I, I don't know if you're seeing with phase two and companies are starting to open up again, like it's just starting to go gangbusters. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, I, I know everyone, I hate that related to COVID, but phase phase one was kind of um, a, a rapid kind of VPN. Everybody uh, spent a lot of money and then the, the, there was a big gasp as they thought perhaps the security um, budgets were all, you know, pushed up front and then there'd be kind of a quiet period. Hasn't, um, you know, phase two is kind of what do we do about compliance now that we, uh, you know, if we sent everyone home and we set up VPN and uh, uh oh. Uh, we may be offside on uh, security compliance, so there is a second wave uh, coming in. Normally, uh, summer's a bit of a lull if you're in uh, Ottawa in the public sector, so uh, a bit of a surprise there, but um, uh, quite welcome. And uh, 
let's see what the we're all holding our breath for the third wave right what's going to happen in q3 and q4 and whether or not uh, we might have spent the year's budget up front right that's true well i think what happens and, and correct me for mine if you're seeing this as well as soon as covid uh, 19 hit companies scattered right like your their whole workforce was remote now the the attack chain and vector and this their landscape changed so they were doing things like overnight it was stuff that maybe but on the roadmap for the year now happened in like 24 to 48 hours yeah i i, I mean uh, you watch all the bnn news of the cisco's of the world and and they have that kind of cheshire cat smug grin because their stocks went up and and they kind of um on the other hand they're a bit ahead of the curve, right? The the Googles and the Cisco's kind of went, we're, we're eating our own dog food here a little bit, drinking our own champagne or whatever you want to say, in the sense that we already had 50% of our workforce at home. It was part of our BCP DR plan. And I think you all now need to execute along the same lines as we do. Um, right. And to that end, you're right that the attack vector suddenly switched. Um, and it accelerated a bunch of things that I'd been working on. I'm kind of a future state guy. And so five years out, and those things come into play. AI, all those kind of uh, what I call perfect storm things came home to roost as uh, work from home became a thing. Right, which I think is kind of crazy when, when you look at it is that, you know, a lot of companies like Trend Micro, Cisco, all these guys had these remote offering, cloud solutions, kind of all this ready, all packaged, and all of a sudden this happened. And it was like, like you said, it was Christmas for them, right? Yeah. Because now everyone's needing to get it like now, not like, oh, let's go through this slow sales cycle. It was, I need it by tomorrow. Well, and, and to be honest, uh, as a security guy that came from the dark side, kind of the business and um, the vendor startup side where you're, you're um, you know, uh, everyone used to be a CIO before CISOs were cool. And um, I, I think my opinion is security should be a business neighbor. So in other words, business drives the train. And, and as a security person, that terrifies me in the sense of everybody work from home, let's set up Zoom. And, and suddenly all the, the guardrails are down. But that's a, still a security driver, right? If you're, if you're running around kind of as the um, as Eeyore, the security cop, no one's going to listen to you and give you money. On the other hand, if, if business has a need, and they need security with it, that's a very different driver, right? And so that's exactly uh, a real opportunity for people to get budget pushed through that wanted to do security stuff. Yes, you've got to tie it to work from home, but on the other mm -hmm. hand, it accelerated a lot of programs. It also got rid of a lot of programs that frankly, you know, weren't, weren't adding direct value other than the security people were really happy at having a better SOC. So talk about that. Like, so what are you seeing that's actually being removed now from the security and maturity program? Right. So, so the big, um, the big thing I'm seeing is uh, kind of the defense in depth, um, um, you know, top down SOC. And what I mean by that is your SIMs and your, um, your perimeter and your endpoint stuff. Um, I, I think they all got bought and they all uh, served as well, but they're very linear. And very much perimeter, okay. right? The idea was we got everybody in the castle. Now build a moat and all those other wonderful things. And the new answer is, well, wait, wait a minute. Everybody's out of the castle. All your data is outside. Like it or not, it happened overnight. So do you need a big um, internal SOC SIM project? Or do you more need to start, to my point, zero trust? 
Um, and the other part is the SOAR part. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, security, orchestration, automation, and response. Two parts in there mm -hmm. matter. Number one is, hey, I bought a SIM and I bought some firewalls and perimeter stuff and IPDS. And I bought Endpoint. But, like, are they all integrated and coming together? Because my IR costs and my SOC costs, I see a lot of um, swivelware going on, right? Like, people got seven or eight. Uh, windows open and they seem to be um, hydraulically managing all the different inputs. And when I, when I try to do an incident response, I get 10 people in a room that don't sound like they're using integrated tools. And so, so it's not, it's not one pane of glass. It's, it's yeah, exactly. Right. The single pane of glass story with SIM um, and, and rolling up firewall stuff and rolling up EPO type type data that never right. really happened, right? It, it, it was very, um, a lot of false positives, very linear, when in fact IR is a non-linear kind of, um, what I mean by that is people don't look at a bunch of logs and go, ah, oh, there's a problem. They kind of dive in, kind of uh, telescope down and come back up and go, hey, I had a theory, but I was wrong. That's not where the bad guy is. Let's try again. Kind of like um, OODA loop. You know, like, uh, okay. uh, and that's, that's much more how um, SOC people operate, right? They have a hunch and they dive down at the data and follow their nose. And then they come back up for air and go, that theory wasn't right. Whereas SIM and um, all that other stuff was much more compliance and linear um, and wasn't in real time. So I, I think what happened was people went, okay, we're not, invent we're not buying yet another tool. I want you to start right. integrating and automating what I already got. My problem's on the people and process side. It's not on the technology side. Right. Now, do you find, talking about people and process, do you find that's a hard thing to manage, especially with the lack of resources or limited resources, resources changing, moving from, like, once they get educated, moving from company to company? I think that's a, that's a brilliant point. And it's that, you know, three years ago when I was running the Bell Sock, uh, by running, I mean, you know, director. And so you had, like, 200 people and a bunch of managers and that that typical call center tier one, tier two, tier three thing. The, the myth mm -hmm. was, you know, there's a skill shortage. And the answer was, right. yeah, there's a skill shortage. That one single guy at the top, the ethical hacker and the indispensable troubleshooter, he's worth 250K and I can't keep him. But below him are some pretty good people. And at the bottom are some people that are uh, out of school and they could be good, but they're tier one, right? They're by, by compliance and by... Um, SOP, they're, they're just call center people and they're making 60K. So the, I felt the problem was less about um, skill shortage and more about this is costing a lot of money. And right. and I'm not going to train them. Like in five years, I'm not going to have 10 tier three guys. Those people are, are created on their own, right? They're hackers and they didn't go to school and they certainly didn't um, work their way through the ranks. So, so I think the myth of uh, talent shortage is, is where I'm going and that you're never going to solve that problem, right? These people are number one, right. to your point. If they're really good, they're gone in two years out of a traditional sock and they're on their own like me making, making independent consulting money. Num number two right. is um, you're not, um, you can't build them. Not like network admin or, or your call center thing where like you groom people over time and then they get five to ten years in and they're like a senior sysadmin. It, that that's not a reality in security at all. So you think so? Well, I think that if you look at who's really good in security, um, they're self-made. Like the people that are uh, 
Um, I mean, I, I sliced in late in life. Uh, and so I, I lucked out in terms of my career background and then kind of do the CISO thing. And, and I did some startups in UEBA. So analytics came and I'm in the right place at the right time. But the people, right. um, you know, that are, say, 30-something, uh, they're in there with me. They're uh, kind of that IR manager, uh, indispensable ethical hacker. They're guns for hire, right? They're not, they haven't been, uh, they did their two to five in a stock and 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 learn stuff but 90 percent of it they did on their own right they they, they right. You, you know there's no handbook on how to find bad guys you're kind of out there in the dark web and you're reading stuff and you're hacking right you're you're um you're just using your time in the sock to develop your troubleshooting skills um right i i don't mean to say that you know there wasn't a lot of good training and you don't learn about uh, firewalls you don't learn about uh compliance but um i didn't feel like i was um building people towards me i felt like i was a triple a farm system and then after five years these guys will go out and hunt on their own right and and yeah it, it makes it makes sense i mean I, like and, and that's why i'm asking because i part i'm part of the defcon 416 group and okay. hearing what those guys do and how they develop out and I totally agree. It's independent. Like it's not on the job unless you're a pen tester yeah. and you're getting new jobs and new jobs and you're testing your skills. And then while you're studying your OSCP and then going and doing yeah. new jobs, like Wi-Fi and application, I completely agree with that. Right. I mean, completely, totally. But it's, it comes to your point is, the, you know, and this is what one thing I want everyone to hear. This is that security is not a, a role that you just get in and you sit. It's something that you have to hustle in, like you have to work. Yeah, it's um, I, I, it's a scarce skill, and, and I, the other equivalency is a, AI is equally a scarce skill. Where you, you know you can uh, say you're an analytics guy, and maybe you can take an engineering degree, but we're talking at the very top a bunch of PhDs, and then a lot of other people coming in that are. Um, you know, like you said, they may have a degree, they may not have a degree, but they're very self-taught. And to your point, their peer group is a club. It's an informal meetup or it's a bunch of pen testers that are sharing best practices in an OWASP meeting. Those are the people, um, you know, in my case, I kind of laugh and go, I'm a recovering CISO. We're more like the NHL coaches. You know, there's 24 of us and we get fired every two years, but we, <laughs> you know, there's only 24 of us, so we move around. Um but that's who I talk to, right? A CISO can't go in an organization and talk to the CIO or the CEO about security best practices. They have to go find other CISOs um, to share best practices um, and, and who to hire and which technology do you buy. Well, same thing at the pen test, uh, VA scan, ethical hacker level. They're, they're in their own peer group. And, and so I equate yeah. it maybe, maybe not to hockey players, but to... Um, to uh well hockey players practice together right and they train together they don't um rely on the nhl team to tell them how to be ready for uh, uh becoming a better hockey player uh but a lot like doctors you know if you're a, a a surgeon at a hospital who's your peer group well it's other surgeons and you're going to conferences and you're sharing best practices on shoulder operations you're not um using the hospital hierarchy Right. You're this this uh, expert that's expected to bring the expertise in, not learn it on right. the job. Right, exactly. And, I, and like I said, I totally agree with that. And unless, like you said, you're in that role, like you're a pen tester or something that you're doing that and you're getting massive exposure, you're not just doing 
you know, let's even say like Internet of Things and that's all you do, but you're getting exposure to other different pen tests, different, you know, red team tests, anything along that line, then now it's going to develop your skills. But like to your point, it has to be learned outside too. Yeah. Like these guys constantly, like you hear cash the flags, you hear in these events, they're always going to this and it's like they're always competing. You know, a couple of things there talking to the kids, as I say, because I'm really careful to say I'm, I sliced in, I moved up, and I'm looking top down at the experience. And and like I said, CISO became cool about 10 years ago. So so I'm in the right place at the right time. But the people that I see coming up and excelling have have two things. And it's it's the opposite of my engineering career and kind of CIO and who got to be an enterprise architect. It's not degrees. Nobody nobody cares about what your degree is, but it's passion and perseverance are the big two. So the the you gotta love cyber just like you gotta love analytics or you got to love being a doctor right and number two is the people that that i heard broke out of the sock and got to be really good and independent when i interviewed them they kind of said and and much like you it's it's um they really loved it so they started hanging around with people that were really good just as a fanboy you know through osmosis they learned some best practices and the other part was the perseverance they just um every time they saw a problem in the sock they wouldn't let it go and they'd spend hours and hours because it would bug them that they hadn't found the bad guy or that that traffic, um, you know, that little snippet of traffic uh, didn't make sense. So their brains kept chasing the problem. And, right. and they started developing these OODA loops and intuition and whatever it was, just unwilling to let go of a problem seemed to be one right. of the predictors of how they, um, y- you know, got really good. Right. And that's that's such a great point. And I mean, people that are watching this thinking they're going to go into cybersecurity, those are some things that you need to know going in. It's not something that you go get your security plus or your CISSP or you do that and then you're one and done. It is, okay, now that just opened the door. That just kind of gave you a little introduction. That That's an interesting part. And it's, um, I mean, you can talk about that, uh, you know, in the top, when it's a scarce skill and it's a 1% type money thing, um, you have to expect that things are going to change rapidly and, and cyber is no exception, right? The bad guys, to your point, not only are they learning new techniques and just because you've learned something or you found a SIM and you go, I got them, you know, within a year, they're going to get around it. And number two is like you say, all of a sudden work from home says, uh, the data is not in here. It's out there. So you've got a totally different problem and a different attack vector than you thought you had. So if you can't continually evolve your story and even myself as a, you know, recovering CISO and guy that walks in top down and kind of talks security roadmap. The story I had five years ago is totally changed from even two years ago. I was coming around saying, hey, it's analytics and it's UEBA and I'm the future. Now I'm not right now. They're talking about IOT and, and hey, you put in a bunch of AI and analytics. Guess what's happening? The bad guys are gaming the analytics. So it's, right. it's a whole spy versus spy thing that says, Whatever story you had, uh, Carl, you know, you got a half-life of 18 months. And I, I, I mean, I, I get it because that's a CISO and they tend to get kicked out, like I said, like hockey coaches. But also my story has to evolve every every uh, year and a half if I want to be relevant, even as a consultant. Right. Now, talk about the, the challenge here. And, and you're talking about, you know, cybersecurity and the security of the future of it. But is it really an unfair battle? 
you know, you got your blue team, your red team, you got, you know, your hackers, you know, the, the negatives and you got your kind of your positive guys are trying to, is it really kind of this unfair fight? Yeah. I talk a lot about that. That's a great, uh, so my analogy is uh, having been an EA type CIO person, you know, you, you picking Microsoft doesn't get you fired, that kind of uh, life. Um, that's bowling. And what cyber is as a CISO is baseball. I'm still I'm right. pitching and I just got to throw strikes. Problem is there's a batter. <laughs> The other thing right. is that batter cheats. Like I, I've got right. to throw to use baseball stats. You're a good batter if you're batting 300. So that's uh, right. that means seven out of ten times I'm I'm winning. But I lose the game if you if you get you know three runs. If I make more than three mistakes out of ten, you're winning. It's an asymmetric advantage, almost like the game of Red Rover. You can have a whole lineup of really strong people, and I may be one guy on the other side. All I'm going to do is pick your weakest link and run through it. I only need to get through right. once, and and then I'm in. And then and then and, and so that asymmetric advantage is uh, totally benefits the batter, for lack of a better. Right. And the other thing about a batter is the batter cheats, right? A batter right. gets bat. A batter will uh, take steroids. Um, you can counteract that as a pitcher, but you're playing defense. And so right. the idea there is, what's the one thing you got going for you? I liken it to to a robber in your house like like you're constantly thinking defense in your house and someone breaks in your your only advantage is it's your home turf so if the lights are all right. out in your house i know where the jewelry is i know where the guns are i know where my kids are i know all the escape routes in the dark i have a huge advantage right. over a robber in that sense if you're a robber not, not not to say i am but to put him in that he's very afraid of being detected and very afraid of a confrontation he may have a weapon uh, but his first instinct is to run out of the house because he's in unfamiliar right. territory. Well, let's equate that to, to uh, security. If you know your network, if you have visibility and really accurate inventory, if you've done your cyber hygiene, you have a huge. That's your that's your home field advantage over a over a, a bad guy, right? He can get in, and, and and I liken it to a baseball diamond. But if I'm you know if it's a home game and I'm in Fenway Park and I know the nooks and crannies and um, and I'm the pitcher. I can kind of control the game. That's my only advantage over the unfair advantage of, uh, like I say, an asymmetric bad guy. See, the way I, I look at it, and, and that was a great point that you brought out in the kind of the analogy in the scenario. The one thing I've seen, and I've worked physical security. So I used to work for the Skydome doing actual physical yeah. security. Right. So you have your alerts, you have your alarms, your CTV cameras, you have your patrols. You, like, you, you know, you have all that, your response time, you have all this. No different from actual, you know, cybersecurity. It's all the same kind of realm. But what happens is we have rules they don't. Yes. Right? We have rules that we have to abide by. Like we can't do this, we can't do that. No. We have to do it in a certain way. Even like when you look at, you know, restraining someone or doing that, there has to be a process where there is no rules on their side. No. They can do whatever they want when they want in the time frame. Use any tools they have to their their availability. They can do all that. We can't. So it gives us like it's one of like having one hand tied behind our back, trying to defend, right? You know who makes the best ethical hackers? Contrarians. So I, I was okay. not a when I was an engineer at Nortel. I was the lab guy and I was a load build guy. And I was the, a hacker was a derogatory term of someone who wasn't really good at coding and following coding best practices. On the other okay. hand, you could go in the lab and you knew what people's passwords would do, and you do all these scripts and hacks. And so you knew how to beat the system because you knew everyone else was following coding rules. 
And so right. it's the same logic. The, the people that I had in-house and they're called ethical hackers, to your point, thought like bad guys. They didn't follow any rules and they took advantage of the fact that you all have to. Right. Yeah, and I think that's the main point we always have to think about is if you're getting into this this field is having that mindset, being able to look at what they are thinking and what's the scope, like how far will they go? And, you know, as you know, being in the industry for many, many years, there is no limit. Right. If they really want to get that, you know, that gold, they're going to do whatever it takes from social engineering to hacking the perimeter to malware, whatever that may be. They're going to try. Yeah. And, and they're getting in. I really like the whoever coined the term APT, Advanced Persistent Threat. Again, back to the, the, the house analogy, better bike lock on your house means he'll just go to the neighbors. If he's a, a break-in guy and he's looking to smash and dash, you can stop that with the fence in depth. You know, make it harder to get in my house, have alarm systems, all that. But if the person wants to get Carl or Carl has sensitive data or Carl has some really expensive jewelry, and he's very focused on my house. He's going to take his time and scope it out. He's going to get in, right? My right. my locks and my um, at some point he's going to get intel of when I'm away or maybe the code to my automatic garage door opener. An APT can get in because they have the the mean, motive uh, motive means and uh, and resources to, to do so. And so you have right. to understand that if you're a tier one target or or even an espionage target, there's Understanding your threats and and why they want to get at you and what they want that helps narrow the threat surface area. Not just in terms of, um, you know, a small presenting a small surface area, but understanding who's really going to put in effort to get in here and why. Well, I know it's right. this data, and I know it's on these servers, and I know it's this guy, so I can kind of look at his, you know, his TTPs, even if it's the Russian military or something like some advanced threat like that. You go. Yeah, but I right. kind of understand how they operate. I know exactly what they care about, and I know exactly where that is. So I can kind of do it, um, again, back to the pitcher analogy. If I know that this guy's a home run hitter and he's right-handed and he's trying to pull the ball, I'll just keep pitching him outside. Like, there's an advantage right. to knowing who the bad guy is, what he's after, and what his techniques are. Right. And for sure. And and for you guys that are listening to this, this is really great points to think about as you're getting the cybersecurity field or even you're growing into it to make sure that you're having that kind of mentality of looking at the other side and, you know, doing your research, meeting up with other colleagues, having these questions. And I mean, even sometimes just looking at forms of and just how like compromises are happening, like how are they breaking in? I know for physical security, going to conferences and seeing that you're you're hearing that constantly, like, you know, using your analogy of the house. The one funny thing that I kept hearing was, yeah, but they just break the window, yeah, right? Yeah. What do you What do you mean? You have a lock in the door, you have an alarm system, you have all that, but they go right through the window. You know, another good uh, analogy, I, I worked at um, a company that does banknotes, lotteries, and passports. Same idea where, where you're expending a tremendous amount of money with bulletproof glass on the front door because that's how you go through and you go through the turnstiles in an early fashion. Um, right. The the RCMP spec ops type people that came in and, and talked to us went shipping, receiving. I'm coming in the back door. I'm backing a truck in and smashing that. And all you've got is probably one guy and no security guard there. And if I'm lucky, you've got pallets full of your payload sitting there for me. I went right. Wow. That 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 like they're thinking like a bad guy. Right. And they're in and out with with the response time of 
15 minutes, they're in and out and they've got, you know, a certain amount of products, you know, whatever inventory and they're out. Yep. They throw the truck in and they're gone. And that was the same thing when we were working like uh, with the Skydome. The response time was so important. It wasn't just monitoring detection, but how fast can you respond? I, I like that comment. And, and I always go back to physical security. It's the um, if you played football and, and you, you, you talk to somebody who's never played football and they explain how to quarterback, you go, the part you're missing is the six foot six, four people that say they're going to kill you and are running at you. Right. And, and, right. and sometimes, sometimes in um, in security, white collar security, you forget about that physical aspect and go, you got to understand they're coming for you and you don't have a lot of time. So uh, back to your point on what about Sims and, and what changed is I'm starting to see kind of a movement to um, outcome based KPIs. So okay. back in the day, the sim was, hey, I uh, had 20,000 notifications and only one of them was a bad guy. And so here's my, you know, my uh, uh, monitor of monitors says everything's green. And you, 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 we all started to understand, I think you're not seeing all the threats, like your, your batting average. If, if you're trying to get a, a payload yield, it's how many bad guys in that catch. Well, get over to the, the modern KPIs. And I like some of the stuff, it's CrowdStrike. CTO put yep. something out and it's, it, he talked about breakout time. So what I care about okay. is uh, time to detect and, and that should be a minute. Otherwise it's right. doing damage. Breakout time, I think is uh, average, average uh, APT when they get inside takes them less than an hour to privilege escalate. So, okay. so, so breakout time is okay. He broke into Brandon's uh, laptop. No, no harm, no foul. But if he's moved from Brandon's laptop into a, a server or he's gathered system in privileges, that's a big problem because now he's moving laterally. And, right. and he, either he's just looking around and living off the land or he's going for a target and he's kind of got this um, system bin like power to get into your databases. Not good, right? And, and so right. understanding the difference between detection, you know, and the guys inside and his breakout time. You, you've got to be able to, to stop that or at least detect that in less than an hour to limit the damage. Okay, he got into Brandon's laptop and he took some emails and he took some stuff and, and he can move forward, but he didn't get out with anything. Right. If I stop him before the breakout time, that's a huge impact, right? And the second part For is sure. time to remediate. Okay, he got into Brandon's uh, laptop. What's the bug or what's the exploit? And have I patched it or is he just going to come back in again? Uh, right. So those three, the, the breakout time, uh, time to detect and time to respond to your point in a physical situation, you understand that, right? That, that, right. that equals uh, injured people and damage and, and a lot of um, make or break kind of binary outcomes. We, we need to build those same type of um, sense of urgencies into the current cyber uh, KPIs. So let me ask you about that. Like, how's that going in, in a company a model, because, I mean, you're at the high level talking down, knowing, talking about physical. Now, what about in cyber? Are we benefiting from that? Are we starting to move forward? I, I think if you, uh, the rule of thumb I heard from uh, the CrowdStrike uh, blog was 1560, like one minute to detect, uh, five minutes um, to respond, and, and 60 minutes, you've got some uh, collateral damage. And, and if you apply those uh, KPIs to the current systems, they'll fail miserably. But you'll have some okay. numbers, right? Maybe it's one hour and, and 24 hours, and that's not good relative to what the bad guys can do. But at least you know where you are, and 
Now you're going to buy stuff or do people and process things that move those chains. And you suddenly, okay. that's my point where you suddenly find, uh, yeah, I got an antivirus product. And I go, how's it helping you with any of those things? Right. Yeah. You know, I'm finding lots of bugs or maybe I'm doing VA scans and finding lots of vulnerabilities. But if they're just piling up uh, at the desk of the analyst and I'm not patching. Right. Did I move to You're not remediating. Yeah. So so suddenly you get into this. Um, we're doing terrible, but we're on the clock. And, and so, right. so now you your whole program is based on on um, moving towards those metrics. Um, right. And, and, and it's a, it's a shades of gray win to, to your point of, well, the bad guy has an asymmetric advantage. And my angle is, yeah, but if I move it, if it's 24 hours, everybody from the Russians to a script kitty is getting in and getting out. If I move that 24 hours, maybe not to an hour, but to, to let's say six hours. Well, now I've made it a little harder, um, you know, for that spectrum of people to get in. And my threat surface area is now worried about the Russians. Okay. Well, Right. That's a very um, good narrowing of priorities if you're a CISO and you don't have enough money and time. Right. Now, how that, go back to my original question. How realistic is this for companies to implement, to meet these benchmarks? Right. Good question. And um, it goes to the outsource model. I think uh, back to your point on uh, you know space race, uh, scarce talent. I think unless you're a tier one target and you've got a tier one budget, impossible even the nsa would yeah. probably say hey we got all the time and money and the, the what do you call the uh, desire to be locked down we can't do it like no amount right. of money in the world will stop the fact that in a year the the balls move right so right. so my answer is um unless you're a tier one target uh maybe wall street healthcare, government and and within there there's just parts of it um there's no way to meet those and okay. and so what you again what you're trying to do is approach them and and i think for smaller companies that are tier 2 uh, or, or like smaller companies or big companies that are tier 2 i really don't think the homegrown model works it, it won't scale okay right yeah and that's why i was, was kind of like it it's an interesting concept but then i you go back to like the clients you probably dealt with and same with my myself to have that one minute, five, and then 60, like 60 seconds or, you know, an hour to respond and to have that, I kind of look at them and I go, I don't think they would ever be able to meet that. Like that would be, you know, a high, high, and the team that they would need to be able to do that, right? That would be completely outsourced. That would have to be something else, right? So, yeah. So, and, and then you think about what we're just talking about, and I could say the same thing to the CIO. How are you going to meet all those SLAs that people are demanding for bandwidth and application? The answer is you can't, so you go cloud. Right. And and I, for sure. I think the same with security is you got to go cloud. For for I get that creates a new problem, but your data is already outside, and you want to still have ownership of your data and control. But if you want to meet some some kind of metrics like that, Amazon and, and Azure have the scale to do it, number one. Two, they have the ability to constantly refresh their um, security posture. And, and number three, I, I think um, analytics. You, you just don't have enough gerbils on a treadmill going fast enough in real time to analyze all the data. So the only way out is analytics. So, so AI, right? right? And, and right. I get those things I just brought up create all kinds of new problems. But it's the only way to address your KPI, right? Go cloud, go analytic, 
start to approach those numbers. And at some point, it's a money decision, right? Do you really need to get down to one five sixty, or is you know thirty minutes, twenty four hours good enough? Right. So talk about and you bring up cloud. And you bring up a good you know conversation with that because a lot more companies were maybe in a hybrid solution yeah. now have gone completely over to cloud because of COVID nineteen. Yeah. What do you say? What are you saying with that now? So. So um, certainly we, we are um, flexing that debate in public sector. There's a very strong, in a big company, you're very strong perimeter, right? You've got your Palo Alto, Cisco, Fortinet type, and you're pretty happy with it and you spend a lot of time on it uh, with regards to security policies and rules and investment. And overnight, you do see some uh, movement to the cloud. And so if you're an SMB, great. You, you didn't really have an investment in perimeter. And so it makes total sense to go cloud. And the, uh, to be honest, some of the CASB companies, the Zscalers and the, the Netscopes have really built out kind of a ZTNA model very quick in the cloud. So, okay. so and ZTNA is where you need to go. The problem is if you've got this perimeter investment that's hanging around, you kind of have to go hybrid. So what I saw with, with work from home is, okay, everybody cloud. And I'm like, that makes sense. And for if you're just, you know, working from home on Office 365 and Zoom, you can get a lot done until it's time for right. payroll and you got to go to SAP or until, uh, you know, I'm looking for other examples of where the application is either connected to the perimeter or has to stay in there, maybe for sensitivity reasons. And you go, wait, right. I need both. And so this cloud thing I just built is pretty awesome. Um, and it works really well for Office 365. But there's a long tail back into my other applications to make that work. The second part is, right. uh, how's compliance work in there? Because over in the perimeter, I had layers and layers and layers of firewall rules and policy. And it, it may have been ugly, but I had a lot of it, right? And it was compliant. Right. And so how do I rebuild all that? Because the, the agent I got in the cloud doesn't know anything about all these policies. Do I have to go rebuild all that? Or is, right. you know, is there... The win's going to be if you can parlay what you got existing outside. And, and right. right now, that's that's a tough sell to uh, industry. ZTNA is a fairly new concept, and I, I think it's here to stay. Um, the whole segment... So talk, talk about that. Talk yeah. about ZTNA. Right. So, so my view of the world of, of, of ZTNA is zero trust, trust nothing, which is kind of to your point on asymmetric advantage, and APTs are getting in. Underneath that, there's four underpinnings that I care about. Least privilege. So the concept yep. is, you know, you can be a sysadmin, Brandon, but tomorrow's a new day. You're starting from scratch. You you prove to me you're Brandon. I'll start to reassign you all your entitlements and privileges every time you log in. It, it, right. There's no trusted idea of you're, you're, you're into this company. Um, or it's almost like a badge concept. Back to your physical point. I'm going to check your badge every room you're in. You don't just right. you know say I'm Brandon at the start and then you're good to go for the rest of the day. So so now would that would that be equivalent to like CyberArk or Beyond Trust with the privilege access management kind of tools? You got it. So so what I really like I think Pam's an essential part of that. I also think Pam's an essential part of basic cyber hygiene because over time mm -hmm. whatever your privilege set of accounts are, if you're not on top of them every day, they're gonna they're gonna atrophy. Right? You're gonna find right. people that quit or. Uh, if you switch several jobs, you, you start to group all your entitlements and you have this um, set of admin rights. And so uh, the cyberarchs of the world are do a very good job of focusing on privilege access. And, and that forces least privilege, right? 
Right. I'm going to give everybody the minimum. I'm never going to trust anyone. And every day I'm going to clean up. And so, right. so least privilege is a key aspect. End-to-end -end encryption is the other one, right? The, the whole, um, I'm always reminded, the whole purpose of cyber comes from kind of the Second World War and signals intelligence. Okay. And basically, I have a communication and some information on that communication that I want to protect. That, that right. fundamentally is how most of the agencies ever got created was out of the Second World War. And, and before that, in Roman times and blah, 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 you had crypto codes or whatever. My point is, right. um, if you're going to go zero trust, you also need end-to-end -end encryption from the work-from-home user all the way into the data center and back out to the public internet. There needs to be some sort of end-to-end -end encryption insurance thereof that it hasn't been decremented to say a SHA-1 level that's too low or that hasn't been compromised, right? Right, okay. So two more. Uh, Micro-segmentation. This is the big change, right? That you're going from uh, secure zones and um, this kind of a defense in depth uh, land strategy to more of a micro-segmentation thing. And so okay. that creates a lot of real-time, you know, uh, telemetry and identity and, and entitlement issues. On the other hand, you're, uh, I, I liken it to the presidential car. Back in the JFK days, you had a parade and you, you drove uh, the president in a convertible and you tried to secure Dallas, right? The, the, the parade route and, and the, the buildings and not to get into Oswald and all that, but right. you had this defense in depth kind of thing. Today, you got the beast, right? You'd put Trump or Obama in this, in this car and you'd have his family. And what you got is a procession of uh, CIA guys or FBI guys running around. The micro segment is the car. It's got, you know, you know, uh, bomb resistant uh, flooring and bulletproof glass. And all you care about is Obama and his kids and his wife. Right. You don't really care about the parade. You don't really care about the buildings. Those are um, things you monitor. But right. if you look at if you look at the segment they're protecting, it's five or six of those uh, Secret Service guys running around the car. And all they're looking for is threats. They don't have particular right. um, defense capabilities. It's a micro segment they're protecting. The the streets and the crowd and the buildings, they're all, you know, in play, but it's focused on the micro segment. Right. And that make, makes total sense. I mean, it, you kind of narrow that right down, right? Exactly. And then you have more control. Then you have more control. Exactly. Extreme. Ex I'm going to control. No one's getting in and out of the car. You know, I'm going to control access. I'm going to control, uh, I'm going to follow it around. And uh, when things are done, I'll shut down that micro segment. I'm not protecting the car anymore when it's empty. So, so right. that's micro segmentation. Um, I've forgotten the last part. End-to-end uh, -end encryption, least privilege, micro segmentation, and continuous monitoring of all things. So continuous <laughs> monitoring is, is this whole point about why SIMs, and um, linear stuff doesn't work. You've got to be continuously monitoring to your point for threats because you know there's breaches. You've got to be continuously monitoring all manner of um, network traffic analysis, UEBA, um, VA scans. You've got to do that in real time and start to figure out a way through analytics to, to constantly look for threats. Uh, right. And that's um, to your point on the SkyDome and physical security, right? We're going to do everything we can to, to check people on the way in. But while the game's on, 
we're going to rely on video cameras, security guards, you know, in the crowd with heads on a swivel. And it's constant like a casino, right? A constant right. flood of data and the ability to process if anything's wrong and ability to respond. Exactly. And then that, that totally makes sense, right? And I think that's the evolution of, like you said, especially when going to the cloud, uh, anyone watching this, please make this checklist, right? This is things that you need to start to look at like right now. Now, going the, for the future, you know, companies now, you know, we're looking at we're in July now going to, uh, you know, August and September. What are you recommending for companies to look at like right now? Um, in, in terms of technology or in terms of security risk? Just cyber yeah. cybersecurity. If you, you're going to come in, you have yeah, my yeah. company XYZ yeah. and I'm saying, hey, I need to look at cybersecurity. What are you sitting in the boardroom telling me about? Okay, number one is let's relook at your risk profile. And I, mm -hmm. I'm an architect and a solutions guy. There's people that make their business around uh, risk assessments, and, and and I've done my share of that. But because of the pivot, you're supposed to periodically check your risk profile. What are your threats? What are your vulnerabilities? And what are your uh, you know your um, crown jewels? So your impact. Yeah. And I think that's changed because of COVID and because of the work from home. So my first thing is, hey, if things change, is your, you know, your whole perimeter defense and depth posture, you know, are the crown jewels now outside in everybody's house? Okay, well, right. we need to revisit your uh, risk priorities. That's number one. Okay. Number two, um, whether you go on ZTNA or not, and that's the buzzword, and, and I think it's right, and that's usually the conversation I get into. Number one is ZTNA. Number two is SOAR. Carl, first thing. I've already spent too much money and too much capital buying all this security stuff. And to your point on KPIs, the risk meter hasn't gone down. So I'm kind of out of money. Let's talk about SOAR. Let's talk about people in process. Because if you're going to come here and move the needle, it can't be a, a don't, don't send me a big PO. So right. there's that, which I think is good. Um, and then the third place that I had everybody is cyber hygiene. Okay. It's great that we're running ahead to all these things and work from home and the data is outside, but right back to square one, did you ever get your act together in cyber hygiene? Do you have a full inventory, a CMDB of all your assets, all of the software, all of the patches, all the configs? Because if you don't, you really don't, this home field advantage is gone. You don't understand your network. You don't have visibility on it. And me bringing in VA scans and PAM, which are, you know, the other two yeah. key aspects of the big five is cyber hygiene. And on top of that, you have a SIM or continuous monitoring. If you don't have your CMDB act together and you don't have it right. in, um, if it's in a spreadsheet, it's probably pretty static. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, there's some tools out there that I think do a really good job of um, putting analytics around it. Armis and Axionis. And they're starting yeah. to become a better single source of truth. More importantly, they can do MACD. They can handle moves, ads, changes, deletes. They can go search IoT for unmanaged stuff. Getting that, getting your shit together on that, to me, whether you're sticking with the fence in depth and the sim or whether you're chasing ZTNA, if you don't have your act together on CMDB, you know, it, you're only as good, it's garbage in, garbage out on the data. Right. And I think that's a very good point because, again, like the landscape has changed now. Like, where is all your assets? Where is you know, your resources? Where is all that? Like, and I think what happens, so many people transition so quickly, they didn't go back or they're just starting to go back now in inventory. Yep. And maybe, maybe right now, business continuity is top of their list. Asset inventory, resource inventory is still down and they're not doing it because are we going to be open in the next six months? You know, are we going to be able to sustain this? So, 
the the worst case scenario too, and this is where I talk to people is what if you get breached in that time? Yeah. Like does it take you right out of business? I got two answers there. It's kind of the uh, yep. the Sears thing in the internet, right? Is good. The good news, bad news for Sears was you better go build a website because it's going to be online shopping. The bad news is they're still going to show up to Sears and look at stuff. So work from home, yep. But return to office is going to be a thing too. And right. to your point, I as a cyber guy I go, holy crap, what a big opportunity if you didn't have your CMDB act together. There's no one in the office. I can do a sweep. For once in a blue moon, I can go into the networks and the office and start to do an inventory. Uh, I can do some of the discovery tools. There'd be no way you could do on your network in the office during prime time. So as, as much as it's a Pandora's box of stuff outside, it's a huge opportunity before everyone comes back to work to kind of get your act together on your inventory. Yeah, and I think, like you said, it's a good point. Now, to their defense, and I'm I'm sure you're having this conversation. Budget's a concern, financial. Everyone's kind of you know tied everything up right now, just because. Okay, for and I'm talking to uh, CFOs and CISOs and all that, and they're like, "Well, we're still forecasting like daily now. Like each day, it's changing for us. Like now, you know, and like you made a comment, like some stores have gone from retail, you know, in store to e-commerce overnight, right? Where 80% was retail where the people were going to the store to now 60%, 70% is now online. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'll stop short of saying 2080, but where a lot of people were maybe perception is 80% perimeter or 80% of our data is in the perimeter. I think that might have flipped for a lot of companies to 80% in the cloud now. Right. And it's that, I mean, all these points and everything you're bringing up is something that I think more people need to start to kind of really look at just because everything we've talked about so far is what people need to look at today. I think they need to start looking at, start to evaluate as, you know, you know, business owners, doesn't matter if you're cybersecurity as business owners, you need to be aware of this to be able to kind of just be mindful that, yeah, it's not that number 10 or 20 down your list. It should be number two or three. I, I think you're right that, um, as a, uh, first of all, the fact that I'm calling myself a VC. So now people know what I mean. The fact that people are going, ah, you know, having a virtual CISO and he doesn't have to move to Halifax and be an HQ, you, you know, is an admission of, well, the data is out there and so are the smart people. And to be honest, having a guy working corporate for 10 years probably doesn't make him a better security guy. It's better that he's out in the wild. Um, right. I, I think it's a reallocation of priorities, right? That, that the, the SANS top 20 or the OWASP top 10. Whatever you think your your priorities map to, and that's what I meant by the uh, kind of risk strategy, I think that's changed a lot, to your point. Right. And I think it's good. It's good that you know people like us are having this conversation and sharing this just because you know people, and I don't know what you're finding, but I'm saying that people are so overwhelmed, top down. You know, I heard one guy is taking a month and a month and a half off just because as soon as this started, he was doing 18 hour a day, seven days a week, trying to make sure the business was still going. He's like, yeah, I need a break. I'm going to burn out. I, I got it. I'm always careful with COVID, uh, you know, boots on the ground with healthcare people and uh, the people bringing me my groceries and stuff like that. They're in harm's way, but it hasn't been fun. It hasn't been fun for the work from home people um, behind the scenes, right? The network folks and security folks you're right they're doing they're doing one-year projects in two weeks and it's great because they want to get it done but they've been busy they've been they've been real yeah. busy i'll stop short of staying on the front line but it's not been a work from home vacation definitely in the last three months 
Well, and that's why I, th- I think a lot of people haven't really connected with is, and especially I'll, I'll say this on the sales side, salespeople are going in all oh, the newest and greatest wares and trying to, you know, pitch and sell, not realizing on the other side, these guys are busy. These guys are overwhelmed. Like, and just, you know, from our, and I've been fortunate because of the, my podcast and also with the company I work for, we've been able to just give, you know, free resources, free solution, or just even sit down. Just how are you doing? Yep. Like, how are things going? Like, do you need anything? I don't want to put an invoice in front of you. I don't want, how are you doing? And some of the conversations I've had where someone just did that, like I did that to a, a CISO last week. He was like, you know what? No one's asked me that. And I'm just tired. I'm fatigued. I said, what, what do you need? Like just yeah. anything you need, let me know. I'll see what I can help you with. If you need extra resources, we got some professional services and team that maybe could just sit on the phone with you, answer any questions you might have. Or, you know, if you just need a break for like an hour, let me know. We can do something just to give you that kind of, you know, break that everything and let, and hearing him just go through all his challenges, helped him to kind of reset. And then like, okay, I got to get back into this. It's, it's a, but it gave him a little bit of a break. A funny go thing, ahead. Brad, like I'm helping my, my sons on the sales side, InfoSec Global to, do a plug agile crypto kind of stuff. And, yeah. you know, he's asking me that, dad, you're inside like, and you know, people like, how, how do I do this? I go, you know what? We're so fixated on the pitch deck and, and closing and the, the you know, band, find the budget and, and do your job. And, you know, how many calls are you making to fill the funnel? The answer is how can I help? And, and how can I help might just be let the guy exhale and tell you how busy he's been. And yeah, for sure. If you see an opportunity to help, great. But, they definitely have uh, vendor fatigue. Um, and to your point, uh, we, we stopped, stopped pitching and started listening. And to be honest, yeah. you know, you talk to some really good salespeople in cyber, they're way more in the trusted advisor business, right? It's okay. First thing is I got to go understand my customer and especially a CISO and go, you know, what's it like and what's your headaches? And eventually, right. yeah, maybe we get to solutions. <laughs> But to be honest, the problem space is not well understood. Um, to your point, the guy's got 99 problems and he doesn't have enough people. So he's got that, I can't do it all anyway. There's no way out of here. And so what he really needs is a, is a consult, right? He, he doesn't need right. a pitch. Yeah, or an invoice. Like Especially this is where the one I had a conversation last night with someone. And they were arguing, oh, but you have to meet your quota. And you ha- like you're talking about, you have to meet your funnel. You have to meet your quota. You have to do that. I, and I said to him, bullshit, you don't have to meet that. Right now, be that trusted advisor. Be that support person. When they need you, that's fine. But right now, we're in a pandemic. Yep. People are stressed. They're overwhelmed. If you put an invoice, he'll never talk to you again. I, I, you know what? And I, a couple of vendors came to me with the the caveat, I don't want to come across as an ambulance chaser. And that's true. It's a very important line in cyber, right? You do not want to be cyber insurance. I know you're down and out now and you need me. That's not the <laughs> yeah. call you want to make. And and to me, the answer was, and I'm, I'm just speaking uh, on behalf of my son here, it's it's got to be a COVID POC is free. If we, if we really think we can help and you're down and out, Let's worry about licenses and money. But if we think we got something that, you know, can automate your, uh, in our case, PKI inventory and help you build your CMDB here, here, you're on fire. We'll, we'll talk later if you decide you want our tool or our help. But for now, like, like it's free. I, I don't see how right. else, um, if you're Team Canada and you're coming to the federal government and going, hey, I, I think you might have a work from home problem. I would go, 
you're helping for free because you're a patriot, right? Like you're not, you're not marking up the price right now. I, we get it. Someday there might be an invoice, but if you're asking right. if you can help and you're a Canadian company, help means free. Right. And I agree with that. Right. And, I, and that's the thing, like, and I, I'm totally in line with what you're saying right now. That's where we need to be as cybersecurity professionals. If you're doing well, you're kind of, you're, you're above board. Go and just have a free chat. Like talk to someone in a company and say, how are you doing? How is things going? Yeah. Like, do you need a, just a, a half an hour of my time just to answer any questions that you're going through or even just to shoot the shit? Like just to kind of give you a little bit of half an hour of a break. Cause I'm sure, and this is something that a lot of sales guys don't take into consideration. A lot of these guys are like six o'clock in the morning till nine or 10 o'clock at night. Meetings, 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 back to back. Phone calls, I have phone calls and they make it like a 10, 15 minute break to grab something to eat yeah. and then they're back in it. Yeah. So for them to have half an hour just to kind of go, holy cow, this is stressful. This is kind of the, you know, this is what I'm working on, you know, and how, and it's something I say, like really to care, ta like empathy. How are you doing with that? Like, yeah. you know, do you're getting a time to break? Like, yeah, that means a lot. And and you know what? Um, I'm a vendor liaison. I, I kind of like it because I came from vendor land. So I have empathy for the sales guys. Like you said, they got to eat, they got quotas. There's a lot of uh, consultants that, you know, they weren't set up for work from home. So they're out of work. There's a lot of people like scarce skill CISO had a job offer, but you know, the company shut down. So they're on hold. So I'm, I'm empathetic to the point of there's cyber people out there that need to eat and work. But to your point, um, on the inside, these keep, one, they're working hard Two, they're empathetic to, they want to keep in the loop on vendor stuff. They want to be polite and take a demo. Um, but they're busy as fuck and, and cut to the chase and go, Hey, What's your problem? I think my company has a whole bunch of products, but this one could help with COVID. It doesn't right. resonate. But like you said, step one, what is it? Seek to be, uh, seek to understand, then be understood. You know, if, if this guy's got a 15 minute break, let him vent his spleen. And if you happen to have a match for his problem, great. If you don't. And, and ask, ask permission. Don't, like, this is a, something for all sales guys. Don't jump down his throat. Right. Say like, you know, hey, Carl, I heard you mention that. Is that something you need help with? Right. Ask Carl, like, don't go, oh, Carl, I have this opportunity and mine's the greatest solution and I know it can help you. Carl's going to say, fuck off. It, it, I'm busy. Exactly. You know what happens is we go on mute. That's the beauty of Zoom, right? As soon as yeah. as soon as I and, and I, like I said, I'm on both sides of the coin, so I'm one to talk. But as soon as they hear the pitch deck coming, whether they like it or not, <laughs> Mute. I'll go. Right. Okay, dude, you got to do it, man. Is it ten slides? Is it five slides? I'll just wait until you're done, and I'll politely go thanks. But you've turned them off. You've totally turned them off. Right. Right, and that's something like the, you guys are watching. You guys are in sales. Connect. At, like, ask permission. Like, hey, Carl, I know you're busy. You talked about all these things are going on. You mentioned these three things. Do you need any help with that? And let, let you come to me and say, yeah, you know, Brent, or no, Brent, I'm fine. Like, I've got that under control. Perfect. And let it go. Don't go and dig deep and try to go yeah. on. Cause like someone like yourself is so busy, right? And, and so deep, you don't need someone trying to harass you, right? You need a support. You need that guidance. You know, the other thing I, I'm now that you mention it, uh, has, a, has a guy on the inside that's advising some people, they're, they're, they're pretty effing smart, right? If they're in cyber, they, they already know what yeah. analytics is. The stuff we're talking about now, they've read about, you know, they go and do their homework because they're not, um, you know, you're not uh, you're not shopping for curtains here. It's not a commodity. So done right. their homework, 
they don't need to be educated. Uh, and the, the corollary is if you're in cyber and you want to uh, like sell and hang around and be useful as a consultant or uh, like services or um, product, you got to play the long game, right? It's a total trusted advisor uh, thing. You're not selling mm -hmm. widgets here, you know? Right. So it's got to be, and it's scary stuff. It's a, it's a relationship business. And so to get in is very hard to stay in and be relevant to your point is the guy's got to trust you constantly. And then he'll reach out when he's got a problem. If all right. he sees you as having an agenda of meeting your quota. Yeah. You're not going to last in cyber. I, I, and it's tough. I get, I get everybody's got quotas. I get there's someone from the U S pushing on Canada and I get FedGov especially is a long, long sales cycle. But man, quarter by quarter is no way to do cyber sales. And I think right now, and this is kind of, and companies won't like me saying this, but I think right now the quota model and the quarters and all that has to start to change. All right. Because the industry has changed how we do sales. Before it used to be you bang on the phone, 80 to 100 calls per day. You've tried to fill up your, fu your funnel and you do that. Well, like you said, the people that we're dealing with are so much smarter. Yep. A lot of times it's they've got the resources first and now they're looking for that person they're going to partner up with second. It's not, oh, like you, like, and I use it as a vacuum sales guy where you knock on the door. Have you seen this great vacuum? You're like, no, I haven't. Here, let me throw some dirt on your carpet and show you how yeah. it works, right? Yeah. It's not that sale anymore. They already know the vacuum. They know how it works. They know how you know, energy efficient. They know all that. What they want to know is who's the vacuum salesman they want to work with. Yeah. It's, uh, yes, I, I read a lot on spin selling. And, um, you know, my son has come from the places like the source where you're selling, uh, I mean, iPhones are complex, but you're selling commodities that people already know, right? So there's all those techniques yeah. of uh, how do you close to spin selling is all about how do you build trust? They're not, these people, it's a complex sell. It's a lot of money and it's their career on the line every time they buy something. So they got to get to trust you before we can talk about a sell. And and it's the other part you just made me think about uh, back to my InfoSec Global and let's sell PKI certs. You got to have a roadmap. So if I'm talking SOAR and ZTNA and I'm educated on it and that's where my mind is and you come and tell me I've got a PKI scanner, what you need to tell me is, okay, what happens when I find a problem? Do you know how to remediate it or are you just another stack of uh, VA scans that i got to review because I don't have enough people? Number two right. is you just told me that encryption's like um, got a life, a shelf life of 12 months now because of the hackers. Well, get me to quantum safe. I don't want to uproot. Don't tell me I got to uproot my crypto hardware every 12 months. That's that's not right. tangible. You need to solve that integration problem. You need to solve that automation and orchestration problem. Show me your roadmap that helps me, you know, fix the problem. Don't sell me yet another tool that I got to integrate. And so and, and put more work on you, right? Yeah, you're not again. If you're if you're selling me technology that's creating a bigger people and process problem. I can't solve those problems. I'm not getting top talent. I'm not keeping them. So don't add another tool that needs a rocket scientist. You know, uh, to your point on sales, the SE is pretty valuable in crypto, right? The SE is pretty valuable right. in cyber because it's a smart guy talking to a smart guy and a sales guy being a trusted advisor and being quiet and looking for a problem, right? And, right. and so... Um, you're dealing with some pretty sophisticated stuff and that SE is hard to keep. And the person that he's talking to inside is hard to keep. 
So you better not be adding people work and service work and integration work to your solution. Right. For sure. Totally agree with that. Like I'm totally on board with that. And I think that's for me coming to cybersecurity I'm, on my objective. I owned a marketing company for 10 years and watching how people do business and then being inside like physical security and watching how this has evolved. You have to have that. You have to have that solution. You have to have when you're coming to the table, what do you, what do you need? I, I might have these great five, 10 solutions, but what do you need? Yeah. Do I match with that? No, I don't. Perfect. Maybe I would refer, refer you to someone else, right? That's a trusted advisor versus, okay, hold on. Let me, I have this one solution. I think you need, I'm going to shove down your throat. You know, you probably don't need it like what you're telling me, but I'm still going to try to pitch and sell it to you. I got to tell you, that's my, um, because I've been a CISO and because I'm pitching myself as value added as a consultant, if you're a good consultant, you should show them everything you know in three months and they should get another guy, right? And to, to your, I like your KP, KPI thing. My, my question as I leave is, did I move the needle on the risk meter? Um, right. You had some KPI that maybe wasn't possible to meet. Did I, through recommending technology, giving advice, talking about roadmaps and people in process, did I move your risk meter needle in an appreciable way? Right. And I would argue the same thing as a, as a cyber salesperson. Whether it's my son, Brad, selling uh, PKI tools or VA scan or a SIM, are you moving that guy's uh, CISO risk meter or not? Because that, right. that's the outcome you're looking for. Right. And for sure. And that's, I think, any sales guy, anyone you're talking to, anyone I'm talking to, that's got to be the KPI. That's got to be your objective. Right. How am I helping you? Yes, you have the greatest product and service and everything, and it meets the gardener, top right corner, whatever that may be. But are you helping that person that's on the other phone, through Zoom, you know, in the boardroom, whatever that may be, are you helping them? I, if not, why are you there? Uh, why are you there? And by the way, as a CISO, I got a shelf life of two years. I don't have enough budget. I got a bit of a honeymoon period. But that's all I'm going to be able to do. I'm not going to solve cyber in my two years. I'm not going to have enough money or people. So... I'm looking at the, the, the risk burndown list and going, let's deal with the top three. And then, and then okay. you know, like a hockey coach, hey, when I left, the team was better. We, we may or right. may not have won the Stanley Cup, but we're further ahead in the playoffs. We got an awesome team versus when I started. That's kind of that's the client, right? And if, right. if you understand that he, is not gonna, he or she is not going to get everything done, but it's about moving the security posture forward, um, I, I think that's now we're now we're on the same team, right? Right, right. And like you said, what what are you working on, right? Like in your roadmap for this year, what are you working on? What do you focus on? Is there anything I can help you on that? And that needs to be the conversation. You know what? That's another thing I've learned. Uh, if I was to give advice back to vendors and and sales folk, is if you're number seven and we were Ueba, when Ueba, I put the E in Ueba, or our company did. It used to be Sim, right? And so. You get in a conversation, and if you didn't have their attention in 30 seconds, they would say something nice like, you're, you're number seven on our to-do list. And we got all excited and went, hey, that, that put him in the funnel. He's 50%. The answer of, if you're number seven, we're only going to get through three this year. And next year, there'll be a new three. We're never getting to you. Right. So don't, don't be number seven on their security list. That's a plight. Uh, we'll never get there. Yeah. Th thanks for calling. Uh Give us a call in a couple of years, uh, right? Kind or of you're, uh, you're, uh, you know, we'd love to research and dabble in that. That sounds interesting, but we're not on fire there. And um, you're, uh, what someone told me in marketing, uh, 
painkillers and vitamins. Be a painkiller. Everyone pays for painkillers when they need them and they don't care about the price. Everybody should take vitamins, but they never do. Right. No, totally. It was kind of, it's kind of funny you bring up that analogy. Uh, like I was a clinical director for actually a multidisciplinary clinic. And it was funny when people were in pain, right? And, the, and they call this the pain and pleasure model. When people are in pain, they will pay anything and do anything. If you say, I need you to go to the garden store and eat this certain type of dirt, They'll say, yep. where do I get it and how fast do I pick it up? Yep. Right. And they'll, they'll have shovels and they'll just eat it because they don't want to deal with that pain anymore. But like you said, when they're in the pleasure model, ah, we're okay. We're good. Doesn't really matter right now. Right. And say, same analogy. And I think that's one thing when sales guys be careful of doing that too. Don't elaborate or focus too much on the pain. Go be the solution provider. Be that one that kind of, talks to them, lets them voice kind of what their concerns are and try to, if you can provide a solution, be ethical, provide that solution. The, the other part is, um, and I've learned this as a virtual CISO, not, this is the advocacy for, I learned a lot more being a virtual CISO than I did being a CISO. I got very good at, at one company, one thing as a, as a CISO in the financial sector. And, and it's tricky, but every, every, every year it was the same and I got better and better and whittled down the list. When you're a VC, yeah. so everybody's risk profile is different. And so just because, um, you know, you walk into a company and they go PKI scans number seven on our list, that doesn't mean the next one doesn't have it as top three. Uh, it depends on the threat. It depends on the vulnerability and depends on the impact. So, so, right. so to me, I'd rather find out I'm number seven and go, hey, let me know if I ever get to number three. I'm on to the next client. Somebody somewhere has a different, you know, everyone's got a different CISO risk profile. Make sure you're in their right. top three or move on. Right, for sure. Most definitely. And then just build up relationships. And I think that's a key point. Build up rapport because if that CISO, like you said, has a two-year lifespan on that company, he might move to another company yeah. and he just liked you. Yeah. He liked that you, were, you weren't pressured, you gave him value, and then he moves to another company and now you become the top three on that list. Yep. Right? And he's like, hey, Brandon, come on in. I know you're talking about Sim. It wasn't on my last, you know, roadmap, but it is on this one. You know, the other thing is um, you talk about training and uh, I, I admit to being slicing in. I, I do have some depth, believe it or not. My forte is breadth across, say, all the CIST categories. And I've got, I by chance, because I did some startups, I got some depth around UEBA and analytics and there's monitoring. Um, right. But the point being, I come in there as a CISO, virtual CISO, and I talk the talk and it's all good for a couple of weeks and I build a roadmap. And then they go, Carl, we really care about crypto. And I go, man, I don't, I know like I'm a three out of 10 on crypto, to be honest. Let me get you my peer who's spent his whole life in quantum and works with the Waterloo people. And, and I, I swap myself out or hand off because, and right. same thing with pen testers, right? They're awesome pen testers. But if you start asking them about SIM, that's not their thing. And so right. making sure you, you swap people in and out in your own peer community, that's part of trusted advice, right? Yeah, you know, I'm doing my peer a favor and he's thinking, he or she is thinking, well, thanks for letting me in. My answer is, to be honest, they wanted to do a risk strategy and I know you're an ace at it. So here, like, they're going to thank for me sure. as a CISO for bringing in the right person. Right. And that's the, the I mean, that's a, such a great point because your client, your relationship now values that next time I have some, I'm going to ask Carl. Because Carl at least was honest with me that that wasn't his wheelhouse. That wasn't, but he brought me someone that was. Yeah, I, I think uh, it works two ways. Now your network's very trusted. I, I have, I think I've got a really good. Uh, you know, I'm surrounding myself with people that are smarter than me, which was the benefit of coming up as a CISO and 
being an exec in a startup is you're, you're not the smart guy in the room. And so I, I think in security, it's surround yourself with experts, swap them in and out. And now you've got a trusted network outside. And the next step, yeah, is clients, right? Build your trusted clients. And I get it. You know, they're not going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to get invited in to, to, a, to a, a corporation I don't know by the trusted CISO. It's not me pitching, uh, you know, a company that doesn't know me. That That's a big ask, right? Like whether it's a lawyer or a right. doctor, uh, you already want to know them when you got a problem. You don't want to be introduced to them. Right, for sure. That totally makes sense. Now we're coming up on the hour. Now, was there anything else you wanted to add, Carl? Uh, you know, no, other than was there any question uh, that you wanted to ask that you didn't get a chance to or something that you wanted to talk about? No, I think we've covered quite a bit. I think my main conversation with you of you being a CISO and a virtual CISO was just kind of what you saw in the industry. And we covered that, like in what was going on and kind of future thinking as well. I love to have that conversation because I think more and more companies need to hear this, right? Need to hear kind of what's going on in the future. What are people like you with your expertise are looking at right now? And almost like like you gave is a checklist. Am I doing this? Am I doing this? Am I doing this? Do I have this in my roadmap? What should be important? I think that gave massive value for this, you know, this recording, this podcast is so people can watch that and kind of go back and go, go through their own kind of checklist. I, I, I appreciate that. And like I say, uh, in my lofty ivory tower, I'm always worried about, uh, you know, what's happening on the shop floor. And I appreciate the insight because things are changing down there just as fast. Right. And I think that's a, is a good point is that, business now as we know it has completely changed right? it has completely changed the landscape has completely changed supply chain like everything has changed so now ha having these conversations is what's changing and what do we need to look at yeah it's a, I call it a Pandora's box and uh, right. of all the bad things that came out of there the, uh, you know cybersecurity is always an opportunity when there's problems and what also comes out of there is hope so uh, I'm optimistic for the future. There's big opportunities, big problems, um, you know, uh, but it's a great space. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Carl. Now, what's the best way to get a hold of you? If anyone has any questions or, or needs your service, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'll, I'll give you my phone number and I'll give you my uh, my email address, but I've got a, a website called Galbraith and Associates, Inc. It's got me and my son on there. He's my BD guy. And uh, now, now, is that .com? Uh, it's .ca. .ca. Okay. So I'll put that in the link. If you guys want to email or give him a call, go to his website first because a lot of great information there, right? We won't really kind of give out your phone number and that because yeah. I don't want you to get a lot of calls, but go to the website, get that information there. If you have any questions of what we've talked about, make sure you reach out to Carl because again, you can see so much value of that for people that are running companies right now to at least sit down and have a conversation with Carl. Super appreciate it. Super appreciate the podcast too. I think that's one of the best ways to get the word out is, is podcast in my opinion. Now you have your own podcast, is that correct? I do have one called Cyber Podcast with a, uh, an IR expert, uh, Steve Bowers. Uh, we're taking a bit of a break, but yeah, we're up on Spotify and all that. It's called the Cyber Security Podcast. Okay, so I'll get that information. It'll be in the description notes be uh, below, guys, if you want to go subscribe to that and just kind of hear more of this conversation what Carl's talking about. So I'll have his website as well as his, uh, the link to his, his podcast so you guys can check that out. Carl, thank you so much for this. You know, It was a great podcast, a lot of great information. Brandon, thanks for uh, hearing me out. Oh, you're welcome. Now, guys, just remember, uh, don't forget, software is hackle, being connected is vulnerable. I'll see you next Daily Cyber. <laughs>